you wanted the best, you've got the best podcast. The hottest, hottest. podcast in the world. In the world. The Chris Voss Show, the preeminent podcast with guests so smart you may experience serious brain bleed. The CEOs, authors, thought leaders, visionaries, and motivators. Get ready, get ready. Strap yourself in. Keep your hands, arms, and legs inside the vehicle at all times because you're about to go on a monster education roller coaster with your brain. Now, here's your host, Chris Voss. Hi, folks. It's Voss here from thechrisvossshow.com. Thechrisvossshow.com. Hey, welcome to the big show. We certainly appreciate it, folks. Thanks for tuning in, as always. Be sure to check out our new uh, silo editions of the Chris Voss Show podcast, uh, AI Podcast with Chris Voss.com. All right. Actually, that's the name of the podcast. Uh, the www you can go, you can tell it's still new, uh, is AI uh, chrisvoss.com that's uh, AI podcast with Chris Voss uh, and this show will also be appearing over on that uh, vertical uh, you can also go to chrisvosleadershippodcast.com and uh, check that out as well David, an amazing uh, author he's written a lot of different books on teaching people how to be smarter and how to do things uh, Tom Bunzel is on the show with us today and he's got a new book out uh, called Conversations with Nobody Getting to Know Chat GPT just came out uh, May 3rd, 2023. He's an old friend of mine. I've known him for, uh, I think, a decade or two. And uh, he's got the new book out. So we're talking about AI, uh, artificial intelligence, and uh, Chat GPT, and uh, some of his ideas, uh, his interactions with it, and concepts as well. Uh, Tom has been a technology and science columnist for Collective evolution a web portal with over three million hits per month he's covered and spoken at the science and uh, non-duality conference and the uh let's see if we can get that up right here and the uh super conscious mind congress in pueblo uh mexico uh puebla mexico as a professor of powerpoint he wrote lectured and taught seminars on business and technology and appeared on tech call uh tv for help uh welcome to the show tom how are you I'm doing well, Chris. Nice to be here. Thank you so much. It's wonderful to have you. It's wonderful to have you. Uh, give us your .com so people can find you on the internet, please. I'm so, the .com? Yes, your .coms. Lifeisintelligent.com. And I, I recently changed its title, actually, to reflect conversations with nobody. Because oh. that's kind of what I'm doing now. And I've been trying, because I continue to, I mean, once I've put the book up there, I, st I still carry on conversations with chat, and some of them are pretty interesting, so I share those on the blog. There you go. Uh, so you, you've written quite a few books. Uh, give us a rundown of some of the books you've written over the years. <laughs> All right, well, <laughs> thanks. Uh, go down memory lane a little bit. I, the first book I wrote was actually Digital Video on the PC, huh. which was uh, almost a work of masochism at the time because <laughs> – <laughs> you would know that because everything that was working with the, uh, with video at that time was on the uh, Apple platform. Mm -hmm. But uh, I solved a lot of technical issues and explained to people how they could do stuff. And I ended up writing a lot of articles also for a magazine called PC Graphics and Video. Wrote books on how to do digital audio, uh, how to do uh, you know how to do your own uh, uh, song lists. Now the name escapes me now, but uh, and uh, then more recently, I wrote a book before. Well, I wrote a book called uh, "Tools of Engagement" about how to use the internet and how to use some of the other tools that I'd already, you know, written about to create content for the internet, like PowerPoint, like Photoshop, like that, and also from a, from a psychological perspective, how to gain engagement, how to do how to how to not be selling all the time uh the kind of stuff that you know people had to learn at that point yeah and and so now you've moved to this new book uh conversations with nobody getting to know chat gpt uh conversations with nobody don't you feel like chat gpt might be a little insulted by the title <laughs> <laughs> well maybe it's not only about chat maybe it's about me too oh uh, i'm not you know one of the things i do in the book is I'm very interested in consciousness and psychology and stuff. Mm -hmm. And Jack can give you a lot of information about that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. um, but what's, fu what's funny is uh, it, it, it's because it's a language model. 
it it knows it picks up on certain things, and if you if it thinks you're dissing him, he he can he can get a little bit feisty sometimes too. Really? Wow. Now, how do you know it's a he? Oh, I keep saying that. <laughs> Good catch. I well, I, you know, I don't know, man. I maybe no, we don't is. know. We don't know, and and, it's, and that's a very, very, very tricky subject these days. But I try to refer to it as an it. Ah. And in fact, since you were asking me about my past, I actually wrote a a screenplay that got optioned when I was in my early thirties called It, and it was the first idea of uh, it. We didn't talk about artificial intelligence, I don't think, in the early 80s, but it was like an entity comes into being on the Internet and then drops in on a guy and helps him become more wealthy and meet women, you know, all, the kind of, all that kind of stuff. Wow. So I've been interested in this stuff for a long time. I think Stephen King stole your uh, title. So oh, that's you know. right. He, he did. So. <laughs> uh, you know, maybe maybe it is its pronouns. It is its pronouns. It would That's, be. I think a couple hits in there. I think it certainly would be. I don't know. I or hope we don't it. offend it though, because I've seen the Terminator movies and I know how that ends. Uh, or Hal on two thousand and one. Yeah. <laughs> Open the pod bay doors, Hal. I can't, Dave. It's <laughs> almost good. Uh, the uh, yeah. So conversation with nobody. Uh, a funny spin I can put on that. You know, I was I was referring that maybe ChatGTP is the nobody, but you were saying, well, maybe I'm the nobody. Well, I maybe if you keep calling ChatGPT with the wrong pronouns, you will be the nobody. Ah, Terminator style. Anyway, uh, foot of the side. Uh, so t give us a content about the book. Give us a no. Well, you don't have to give us the whole content. We want people who will buy it, but tease out a little bit of it to it. What? How All did right. you? How did you first learn about ChatGPT? And let's lay a foundation. What, what is artificial intelligence? Is that a politician? <laughs> well, you know, I, I asked that question in a certain way on the blog also, because the word artificial is actually kind of troubling to me, mm. because what it does is it's, it's, it sets, a, it sets a, a distinction between what's human and what's natural. In other words, what's human is artificial, and then there's what's natural. And I think one of the problems with the whole digital age is that it's taken us away from what's natural. Mm -hmm. And one of the, one of the things I think chat's going to do if it if we you know if it doesn't kill us <laughs> one, of, one of the things it can music. really do is is make us address philosophical issues like consciousness mm -hmm. uh, in a scientific way uh, in a way that we really haven't been able haven't really done as a society. And you know you did that in your one book I think a little bit the D what was it called the DNA I had a yeah I, I wrote a book. Thank you. I wrote a book called uh, If DNA is Software, Who Wrote the Code? Mm -hmm. And it's sort of like the question, that question is similar to a lot of the questions I would ask chat because there's really no answer to it. Mm -hmm. But in asking the question, like saying, like if you're talking and I stop you and I say, who's speaking? Yeah. You can have a gap there mm -hmm. and you can have an insight all of a sudden that you may not have had before. And I think with I think with AI we're going to be forced to really examine who we are as a species, uh, partly in order to survive. Quite frankly, maybe it's a mirror because it it's it's scraped everything we've ever said. Right. Um, I think I think what's going to be even weirder is when it can scrape body language by watching videos on YouTube and stuff, and then mimic our body language. I, I, I see some of the metaverse, uh, my friends, uh, they work with a couple companies that um, they have the metaverse thing where you can give, you know, you can give some sort of bot on the screen who's an animated bot, but they look, some of them look almost real, but you can still tell and uh, they talk the language. And I don't know if it's my biolog biological hindbrain, but it freaks me out because I recognize it's not human and we're designed to recognize um, disabilities were designed to recognize disruptions in what is nor not a normal human being. Uh, and, and, and we do that, uh, for breeding reasons, uh, propagating the species. But when I watch it, it, it creeps me ultra out to watch a bot talking. It, it really, especially if they look human. And so I haven't gotten used to it yet. Maybe I never will. Maybe there's a reason that's, that's, that's appropriate, but it maybe someday they'll pick up our body language and they'll, and you'll be able to not tell well, the difference. 
you make an interesting point because um, one of the reasons I use the, the conversations with nobody is the fact that it doesn't have a body makes it completely different from any organism. For oh, any living maybe you should have said no body. <laughs> oh, now I have to go back and change it. All. No, no, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> I think I, I like the play that you have where it can be like, you know, the bot is the nobody, or maybe we're going to end up as the nobody, you know. Well, I ask it, you know, I ask a lot of questions about both to chat and to myself. I have a lot of time on my hands. Uh, <laughs> and about who am I? Why are mm. we here? That was kind of philosophical things. Oh. I've always been really interested in that. I've, uh, you know, I've gone to the Great Pyramid and I've studied a lot of New Age kind of stuff. What's interesting with Chad is when you get into that material with, which I was going to say him, but when you get into that material with Chad, it's very careful to uh, point out what has been proven with evidence and what is speculative. Mm -hmm. I've, I've tried some things from the History Channel and asked it about different civilizations and they're and they're comparing them and stuff like that, and it knows a lot. But if you if you if you get into anything and speculate that speculation, it'll catch you and it'll say, "What? Well, none of these things have really been proven yet." So we'd like to stick to the scientific evidence. Wow. What if it, what happens if you ask about conspiracy thing conspiracy theories? I haven't tried that yet. Um. What have I asked it about? Like, what you can get information. For mm -hmm. example, when um, when uh, Maddo had had a thing about you know uh, justices be uh, resigning, Richard she mentioned Maddow. Abe Fortas, mm -hmm. and I remembered his name because he was around when I was growing up. But I remembered nothing about him, so I asked Chad, and it gave me the whole rundown on why he. And it's quite amazing considering what's happening today. But the whole rundown on why why he uh, had to resign or felt he had to resign at that time. As far as conspiracy, I th I've asked it about JFK stuff and things like that. Mm. And it knows all the books and it knows all the theories, but it's always going to be cautioning you. It's really? always going to say, yeah, oh yeah. It's always going to say, well, we don't really know for sure and there's no evidence of this. No one's really nailed it down. You know, it, it's not going to uh, get into anything wildly wildly speculative um it's kind of interesting because the you know uh, there's some extreme right-wing people i think on twitter or something that were arguing they need to create a right-wing model of of uh ai because the problem with the normal ai model is it's leftist but you know one of the challenges that the right wing have and, and we have an extreme left wing too in the democrat party but uh you know, one of the problems they have is they, they do a lot of fantasy and conspiracy theories. The conspiracy theories and fantasy seems to seems to really engage over there more so than the left side. In fact, before the uh, before the Trump's presidential election, they there were these host of websites that were trying to spread fake news to Democrats, and they were run by Democrats uh, or Demo people who were Democratic voting, um, and uh, they couldn't. Democrats would fact check their facts. And then they flipped it to um, uh, Republicans, and they didn't find that you know it just it just went viral all the time. And they made they were making like twenty thousand dollars a month per site with running fake news, and they just found that it seeded really well on Republicans. And I, I I don't know I'm an atheist. Once I believe I believe once you start imagining things, you go right off the deep end, and there's no bottom to it. I mean you you end up believing in Scientology, but uh, it's interesting to me that argument of where facts you know we're, we're st even with artificial intelligence we're going to argue about what what are facts and what is real as opposed to what is not real and people don't like the truth <laughs> that's what i'm leading around to so you you know you're this is kind of interesting to me because you're retired uh and i know that you uh spend a lot of time enjoying your retirement uh is so you're, you're kind of alone a lot of times um, have you found that this is helpful to someone in your situation yeah. or yeah, maybe people who suffer from, you know, I, I'm a guy who lives alone. My, I talk to my dogs and they're horrible at, uh, at talking back to me other than just yelling That's at in me. That's my introduction. I say that about my cat in the introduction. <laughs> <laughs> my cat is just not a very good conversationalist. And um, I am lucky I have some nice friends here, but 
everyone's so busy now it's a strange kind of time mm -hmm. so i was i was keeping busy by playing online poker and getting pissed off at the other avatars and noticing that about myself and then i would, <laughs> i was uh, i was you know i play words which has been helpful for keeping my mind sharp huh. and but when this came out it was a whole different level because um, first of all, the conversations can continue. You can point out things that it said and hold it accountable for things that uh, it's not it may not have been sure it meant. Uh, I wish I could remember the example, but in talking about the brain, for example, um, it knows a lot of stuff, but it doesn't know what consciousness is because nobody really does. And so if you ask it to define it, it'll it'll give you some really interesting insights, but no one really knows. That's mm -hmm. kind of what you were just talking about. Now, uh, a friend of mine uses the word consensus reality, and a uh, phrase consensus reality. And I think that's kind of disappeared with the Republicans with using the conspiracy stuff mm -hmm. a lot because we don't know what to believe. Then when you point out, for example, the bots, the next level, We've all, I think we've all seen the videos now of actual politicians being made to say things that they never actually said. Yeah. So, yeah, the, the distinction between what we can really believe and what we can't is really fading fast. They call them the deep fakes. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be really interesting. And those are closer. I can still tell that they're being faked. You can watch the lips closely enough, but, you know, there's a lot of people that in the, in our world that, um, they're they're looking for uh, what you might call it bias. They're looking for a confirmation bias, or they want their their beliefs confirmed, and they're not really looking for new or fresh data and stuff. Do you think? And and where this was leading me to, uh, do you think that uh, maybe these chat uh, GPT and and other AI models maybe can help us as a society eliminate uh, conspiracy theories and get close to the truth, or at least something? Poster. I don't know how that would work. Um, especially well, giving disclosures all the time, saying, "Hey, man, you're crazy. You're batshit." <laughs> <laughs> well, it actually, well, it does. As I just said, as I said, it does have this thing of trying to keep you honest. Mm. It's really kind of a guardian of conventional. The one I've been using, anyway, it's been mm -hmm. kind, of, and I'm sure that they can be, you know, there can be deviants, <laughs> new new strains, like you were just saying, conspiracy theory. Uh -huh. But my, the one I've been using, and I think the one that, you know, came out of um, OpenAI and whatever, are are they're into the conventional reality. They're mm -hmm. really cautionary about anything that deviates too far with speculation about mm -hmm. things, and keep, and try and keep you honest that way. Which is there you go. Yeah, I mean, I think I'm going to start an alternative. See, here I go. I'm going to start an alternative ChatGPT called ChatGPT Batshit. And it's just going to be all conspiracies. And it's going to create a whole alternate world, you know, like an alternate universe sort of thing. And it's just going to be all batshit 100% of the time. Wait, is that the Chris Moss show? Uh, first of all, did you know Metaverse stopped today? Completely? I think so. I, maybe I'm wrong, but I saw it on Twitter just before I came on. Maybe it's a maybe it's a conspiracy theory. Maybe it's completely wrong. But uh, one of the things that was interesting when I wrote the tools of engagement about the internet, uh -huh. everyone's assumption about it was this idea that it was going to build community and build engagement. And one of the things that we we found out in the last few years was that the algorithm that's being used on a lot of social media is doing the opposite. It's not doing mm -hmm. that at all. It's creating, like what you were just alluding to, friction, conflict, because that gets people interested. It, that's what get eyeballs also for TV. But it's gone in a complete a different direction than the original promise of it was, I think. And one of the things we have to be very careful of with this AI is that it also doesn't go off in a different direction uh, and do, some, do, th do things autonomously. That's what I'm wondering about a lot is at what point can this thing become autonomous if ever uh, lots a lot of people ask that question uh, the, the, the versions we're using now don't have memory uh so they can't really develop an identity hmm. but you have but one of the uh philosoph philosophical issues that comes up is at what time does it develop an identity like some of these science fiction uh, ais that you've already we've already become familiar with
There you go. It looks like businessinsider.com had a had a uh, bait uh, a bait thing. Rest in peace, metaverse. The obituary uh, meta is dead. Uh, and I mean, you know, there's a few other things, but uh, yeah, I mean, basically, they're what they're saying is Chat GPT probably killed it, which is ironic because he named the company Meta. Meta. <laughs> I don't know. VR, you know, it still has a long way to go. Uh, but you bring up a good point. I mean, the the head of uh, I think it was the head of uh, artificial intelligence or one of the heads at at uh, Google, because I imagine there's a lot of heads over there. Um, the Godfather, they said, of AI quit and and warned against you know the whole Terminator thing going on. And yeah, you're right. There's a certain point where um, you know we seem to be giving it guardrails, but maybe there's a certain point where maybe it does start believing JFK and the grassy knoll and conspiracies and. You know, uh, it well, just decides that maybe there's more of that information. You know, maybe it weighs the amount of information on the internet and goes, hey, there's more batshit than there is reality, so let's <laughs> run with that. You know, they just, well, you, know that, you know that there's a term with AI now called halluc that it hallucinates. It has hallucinations. Oh. And what that means, yeah. What, what, what drugs do I have to take for this? I'm sorry? What drugs do I have to take for that? <laughs> <laughs> it takes uh, computer viruses. Oh, there you and go. It gets, goes, goes off on some of them. No, uh, it, what happens is, and I read an article, of course, an article about it. It seems it happens when it doesn't know the answer. Mm. And it, it's not programmed to say, I don't know. And so it just makes stuff up at that point. And it can be anything because, uh -huh. you know, it can be anything in our language that's ever been spoken or written or anything like or anything like that. So it's it, it that, that that can happen. There you go. Well, I mean, that's pretty much what people do now. It's the Dunning Kruger effect, where people don't know and they're too lazy to go learn something, and so they just they see a meme on the internet uh, on politics or you know anything else, or the Earth being flat or something, and and uh, everybody knows it's a square. It's not flat. Um, the uh, <laughs> There you go. Well, that's hey, I was going to pick that up and run with it now. Um, so you you have these conversations with it. Tell us about more about what's in the book and maybe what you derive from your conversations. Did you, did you basically stick with Chat GPT or did you try some of the other different AI? No, I, I, I was loyal to Chat GPT. Oh. And well, it's in the title I of the book. I didn't want it to get irritated. I didn't want it to get irritated. Yeah, and um, I I found. There's a lot of things you can do. You know, I just found out this past couple of weeks, you can put it, uh, you know, you can put a YouTube URL in there or the title of a YouTube video and it'll summarize it for you. Mm -hmm. So if it's an hour video, it can tell you in a few paragraphs what it was about. So that's, I think, a danger point also because it's really kind of dumbing down a lot of things. It's like turning the internet into Cliff's Notes in a way, mm -hmm. you know. But on the other hand, like being an old guy, I have memories of things that I used to be very interested in. They don't really mm -hmm. remember that well anymore. And say, tell it to compare uh, the philosophy of one guy and the philosophy of another guy or civil, this civilization and that civilization. Ah. And it really comes in with some interest. And, and that can lead to other questions and uh, more philosophical questions sometimes. Um, so, so I've tried that. And I've tried to ask it a lot about how its, how its workings are. Because I'm, it uses a neural network, and mm -hmm. it it uh, is very uh, direct about the fact it can't think, it doesn't have emotions. It tells you that at the beginning of many of its answers. Um, but uh, the reality is it doesn't know what's going to say next any more than I do or you do. Mm -hmm. It doesn't know what thought's going to come up. So there's a, there's, there's a similarity of the unknown with artificial intelligence and with us, if we're really honest with ourselves. There you go. Um, you know, maybe, you know, I, I, I hate to make the show all about conspiracy theories because I pull that as a joke uh, and comedy. Uh, you know, we do info entertainment on the show, so you, people learn by laughter. Um, or at least I do. Some people learn through beatings, but I think that was my childhood. <laughs> Anyway, people are like, yeah, he's scarred. Uh, he's a traumatized child. Anyway, I love my parents. They're wonderful. But uh, maybe, the, maybe, the, maybe the whole thing of it is, and I, I lost my thought on the segues. <laughs> See, AI isn't going to do that. They're not going to 
lose their thought. They're gonna be like, "Hey, why am I in this room?" But no, as as an old as an old guy, um, yeah, I'm like you. I'm, there's a lot of stuff that I don't recall. There's a lot of stuff that I toy with, and uh, um, being able to pit different things against each other has got to be a bit fun. Where you're like, "Hey, uh, which is better, uh, Marxism or or uh, you know, capitalism?" You know. Well, when you ask a question like that, of course, it's going to say, I, I'm a language model, I don't have an opinion. Mm-hmm. But then it's going to go through both of those, and it's going to show the similarities, and it's going to show the differences. Now, that brings up a very interesting point, because when you ask it a question, if you ask it a question like compare Marxism and uh, capitalism, for example, right? If you ask it that question, it's very broad, and who knows what you're going to come up with. But if you if you uh, go deeper into that question and ask it about certain people, about Karl Marx and about maybe a contemporary of his in America, uh, J.P. Morgan, who was a proponent of capitalism at that time, and ask him to compare their respective careers and what their philosophies were, you're going to get some really interesting answers because it's, mm. it's culling through some more, so much more material than – a human body or a human organism or a human mind can ever access. Yeah. Uh, I remember the preface, uh, the, the thing that I was going to say that I was preferencing when I said, uh, I hate to bring all conspiracy theories, but maybe chat GPT can help us make it smart, us smarter because instead of having the Dunning Kruger sort of thing, you have to ask it questions, which means you have to have some level of inquisibility or, or interest or inquiry uh, or you have to be semi-open-minded. You know, there may be people that are like, tell me who really killed JFK. I mean, you're giving it a presupposition at that point, right? Or or, or tell me why QAnon is, is right. Uh, there's a presupposition there. Um, but I, I imagine it would kick back to you and go, uh, you're batshit, or, you know, something to the effect of a disclaimer. Um, there's, no, there's no evidence for this, mm. right? And that's why, it's, in one, in some ways, it could actually, if people had trust in it, mm-hmm. the problem is getting people to trust anything right now is getting more and more difficult. Yeah. And with these will be competing for, and they're already competing a little bit. So, uh, one friend of mine, uh, there's a lot of people who know about the, the workings of AI much better than I do. I only have the, excuse me. I've only had my own personal experience with it, which I've been trying to share through this book, which I think is kind of interesting. I've had people tell me the questions were quite helpful and interesting to them. Mm-hmm. But a friend of mine, uh, what was it? He, uh, now I lost my train of thought. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think um, that, well, you recover that. Do you think that, uh, see, my, my thing is, if someone is asking questions, I learned this, I think it was Anthony Robbins in his second book, Awaken the Giant Within. Uh, he said he talked about the power of asking questions right now and how they can help your subconscious mind and your mind resolve things like you know there are times where i presented questions on how to fix something in business to my mind and written it down and and said okay when i wake up in the morning see if you can come up with an answer to you know how i fix this in my company and you'll wake up the next morning and it's there and it's your subconscious mind working at night going how do we fix this idiot's problem? Because we're sick of putting up with them. And uh, and there it will be. And a lot of people find that. A lot, some people pray, and they, they about 50% of the time, George Carlin, as we mentioned before, used to put it, uh, you know, they find a resolution to it 50% of the time they don't. And a lot of times, people are praying for some sort of resolution in their mind, and they don't realize their subconscious mind delivers that to them. It's not uh, some sort of higher power. Uh, and if it, it's not, well, strike me down now. Uh, see, I proved my point. It's true. Uh, <laughs> but the fact that people are asking it questions, I think, would open them up. And I, I'm, I have this image in my mind of this really batshit conspiracy person who's, who's you know, trying to, uh, you know, get the answer, doing, doing confirmation bias like he can on the Internet. Um, and, you know, the Internet's really weird because the Internet and a lot of these uh, – algorithms of like TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, all these things, whatever you search for, it will feed you. So just like, hey, this idiot wants more batshit, feed him more batshit. And, but it sounds like these AIs are very different where you have to ask it questions and what you could feed it presuppositions of what you're trying to do with confirmation bias. You may find out 
that it's telling you in the nicest factual way that uh, you're wrong and here's some other different facts and you may learn facts more or the fact that you have to ask it questions. You know, the asking is the opening to maybe keep you out of the Dunning-Kruger's uh, slump. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I, 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 I think I said earlier also, I think that I think the in the book, some of its answers are redundant and repetitive in the conversations. But I think from the questions, you, the reader can get uh, the kind of uh, reaction that you were just talking about. We go, it's a little bit of a jolt where you go, hmm. Like, for example, if I asked you right now, you're talking about your subconscious. Mm -hmm. Which one are you? Is uh, both of them you? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Um, I mean, hmm. it depends on which personality, though. I mean, there's about eight different personalities. One goes kill, kill, well, kill. Well, that's the, the other thing. Judge says you know, we have to avoid uh, that had, one. I've had some. I had some interesting conversations with it about what the self is mm -hmm. and whether or not there is a separate self in you that's Chris, mm -hmm. and what and what intelligence is really, because mm -hmm. one of the things that got me interested in software was that software is really encoded intelligence. So, and when you talk about my, the DNA book, one of the things that got me so interested in DNA is that it operates just like software. It mm -hmm. executes instructions in your body using biochemicals. And in fact, the, uh, one of the two scientists who discovered B, uh, DNA, I don't know if you realize this, but he came up with a theory called pans, uh, panspermia, Francis Crick, because he couldn't account for the existence of DNA on Earth because Earth had only been in existence for four, some 4.6 billion years, and this thing was just too complex and too too much of a product of intelligence. Mm. And that's another thing about this thing that we need to differentiate. You different. You and I presume we have intelligence, we have consciousness, we're experiencing it right now. But what what chat is is the product of intelligence, and they're already having conversations about whether a pro. And it seems obvious to me when I wrote the DNA book that it had to be a product of intelligence. doesn't mean there's aliens. It just means, and this is, I think, a big lesson of, of AI, mm -hmm. is it's going to teach us humility. We think that we understand a lot more about the universe. And we have no idea about it. And just like you, you asked about my questions, it's going to, on, on the good side, if it doesn't kill us, it's going to make us address many issues that we have not addressed so far, mainly because well, we can get into things like corporate media and things like that. But we're going to have to address those issues. Mm -hmm. We're going to have to figure out what consciousness and intelligence really are, if only for legal reasons. People mm -hmm. are already talking about, can you copyright uh, chat GPT stuff or, or AI written stuff? Mm -hmm. uh, the other thing with my book, the other thing is the fact of the book itself is, I think, interesting. What's got me interested in it. Could I write a book with this stuff? What would happen when I tried? Mm -hmm. And is it a legitimate book? In fact, one of the things I'm hoping for is that there's some controversy about that. And we get into a controversy about you know, conversations with nobody. It's not really, it's not a real book. You're just talking to a machine, right? It, but, but if my questions are, are deep enough and the, and the issues I raise are interesting enough, then the book can be, can be helpful and interesting to people. Yeah. All these things are uh, open questions. Yeah. Just you mentioned it was a machine. I think uh, you, you need to refer to it as it. We need to have the pronouns right so we don't offend it. Because <laughs> did I screw up again? No, no. I'm just oh, it's okay. a it's a joke that we're doing from the we're just we're just recycling it. Uh, it's a callback joke. It can come up. I, I, here's the thing. It could probably come up with some new pronouns for itself. Maybe it, maybe we should ask it what its pronouns are. Well, I, I can't don't. do it right. Now. I mean, I. I you know, because uh, I, I shared it with you, I think it can it can find SEO words for you. Oh, that's it, right. It can, yeah. it can write code. Yeah, it's incredibly. I mean, it, 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 we're just scratching the surface of it, but I think that's also what's freaking some of the scientists out because it. It's this is this is kind of interesting. This came across the wire, the intercept. Uh, uh, let me give a proper plug to it here. If I can refine where I put this thing, uh, but the intercept, uh, had an article that it put up today. Uh, and it talked about how it's, it's from Sam Biddle. If you remember him from Gawker, um, and, uh, I forget the other, 
the name of the other outlet that it comes from, but it's the intercept.com. There you go. So I give the proper reference. Sam Biddle uh, worked with the Gawker and he used to also harass many of my Silicon Valley tech friends with uh, his, uh, his, uh, there was a thing that they did that was like a, it was kind of like the, it's kind of like the New York post of, of, uh, of whatchamacallit, uh, New York Post. <laughs> this is a ragtag of, of Silicon Valley, but I forget what the name is, so I guess I'll pass. Um, but he wrote an article about how AI, he can't get ChatGPT, the company, or the model of ChatGPT to say whether the Pentagon is using ChatGPT or our government is uh, plumbing the depths, our military intelligence is plumbing the depths of ChatGPT and AI to use it for well, you know, we all know what the Pentagon uses stuff for. Well, what do you think about a, that? There was just a thing that apparently, uh, I don't think it's ChatGPT or anything like that, but apparently they're, they're using uh, AI already in a military uh, way in the Persian Gulf. I didn't get the whole article either, but I think that, that uh, somebody shared that with me on Facebook today. I didn't read the mm -hmm. whole thing. But it was, I mean, that's the scary part. Mm -hmm. Like I asked it a question yesterday. This was, you might find this interesting. So I answered a question yesterday. I said, if you were going to take over a nuclear facility, how would you do it? And at first, of course, the first paragraph was, oh, you would never do that. This is an unethical, inappropriate question. I can't get into it. But then by the second paragraph, it knew how to do it. It knew how to hack into it. <laughs> it said, well, you know, I guess I could hack into the, I could hack into the computer thing and i could you know i could bypass this or i could do that it, it had the you know it because it's it doesn't have a real sense of what's right or wrong anyway yeah it's programmed into ethical things you know but i mean if i if i went to the next level and said you know how would i get into san onofre do you know anything about san onofre it might it might, it might stop me but it, that was interesting and then i asked a follow-up question about well could you get some of the people that work there to do things that they wouldn't normally do. And it had the same kind of answer. It wow. said, yeah, well, I shouldn't really do, I shouldn't really be doing that, but I can, I can observe their behavior and I can possibly do certain things and get them to maybe give up a password, I guess, or something like that. So it, it, it's complete. Here's the thing. It's not personal. It's completely neutral. It's impersonal. Yeah. And that's what true science would be. Unfortunately, our science is very much colored by politics and personality and stuff like that. But what it can give us, and you alluded to this actually in terms of getting through a uh, conspiracy theory, it can, if people trust it, it will give you a, an impersonal answer to every question. It won't. Mm -hmm. It has no bias. Yeah. Uh, well, it, I'm sorry, I shouldn't say that. They've detected some biases, like you mentioned earlier. It has sort of a left bias in terms of politics because a lot of the people in Silicon Valley, I think, are more liberal. Um, hmm. And you can ask – I asked it about its algorithm also. And it says, you know, its algorithm is basically – and this is very important. Again, it doesn't have a mind. All it does is try – it's like just trying to have a conversation like mm -hmm. we are. It's just trying to figure out the next appropriate word that would go here based upon everything we've – Everything you've typed up until that point, completely different kind of mind from yeah. human mind. I mean, completely different kind of mind. It's been interesting. If you can call it a, if you can call it a mind, I'm sorry. Yeah, it a mind. Uh, <laughs> call back joke. Um, so uh, you know, it's interesting that what you're talking about because I've seen the hack arounds that people can do, where if it won't give you, like, I don't know, this is, I should say this because YouTube's uh, crawling. But um, when, when you and I were growing up, there was a certain document you could get a hold of if you wanted to build pipe stuff to, you know, blow stuff up, right? And uh, I won't say the B word. Um, and and do, do, do you, are you familiar with the uh, book that you could get a hold of on weird parts of the world? And and, and so we, we, you know, we I learned to know build what them. You're talking about, yeah, yeah, I don't yeah. remember the exact title, but yeah. yeah. And, and so, you know, we were kids, somehow we got a hold of say, I don't know where, you know, but because uh, we didn't have the internet back then. But, you know, we, we built something that was just for fun. You know, now, sadly, people use it for ugliness and terrorism. And I mean, we just terrorize post office or mailboxes. Um, but, uh, uh, you know, and just it was just fun just to 
you know, t- throw it in the dirt and blow stuff up. But uh, now, I, my understanding is ChatGPT, if you ask for access to that uh, that particular manual, um, it won't give it to you. But if you tell it to play like it's pretending to be something else, and people have the, found these hack rounds where they can be like, you know, instead of like, instead of like, you know, tell me how to get access to the NSA building, uh, you say, pretend like you're you know, a hacker, you pretend like you're, uh, I don't know, the FBI director and you're trying to get access, you know, they, there's all these sort of workarounds that you can get it to do what you're asking. And I, I think it's kind of it interesting like, how people yeah. game that. Well, I think it's, <laughs> what, what, the thing you just described reminds me of one of my favorite TV shows, which was the old Rockford Files. Yeah, I love where he could Right? And he could, talk, he could talk his way into anything. Yeah. And that's what you're kind of talking about. Is he pretend you're an insurance agent and send an email to so-and-so and try and get this kind of information out of them. So a security mm-hmm. number, I'm sorry to say, okay? But that's the wow. kind of thing, it, you know, that's that's the nefarious aspect of it that we have to really look out for. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, we're, I'm already getting uh, stuff in email that, uh, well, you've talked about this yourself a lot, spam and, and AI stuff coming through that's just garbage. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the real da- one of the real dangers of this is content is so easy to create. Crappy content will be so easy to create. It's going to be like what we're doing to the ocean. It's just going to be a glut of crap <laughs> that you're going to have to swim through it or navigate through. Now we have Google to help us get through the internet to some extent. I thought Google was the ocean of crap. <laughs> maybe it is. Well, better not joke, go. Ahead. Joke there, don't, people. Don't, don't don't get them upset. I don't. No, I'm really going to get suspended on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> uh so uh you know this this is some interesting thoughts in fact you alluded to something earlier you're talking about how it could how it could look at the character character and mindset of maybe some people who worked in a nuclear facility um and and find a weak point um i know that the uh you know the fbi does uh profiling of characterizations you know they're always with the serial killers or other people you know they have profilers that that you know, hey, is this person a weak person? You know, evidently they need some in the Pentagon because that one kid who's like 20 years old exposed all these secrets. And, you know, they probably should have done some uh, character profiling on him. Um, and, and maybe that's what the Pentagon should be using AI for instead of, I don't know, building a better bomb, uh, building a better, you know, way to, uh, you know, drone people. Um, but, uh, I, I just realized one of my uh, attorney friends who's in AI, I wonder if it could, uh, I, I need to ask him this because he's probably considerate because he builds jury pools. You know, he builds the jury for his, for, you know, he's as, as the attorney. Jury. And maybe maybe he can use AI to figure out, you know, the best jurors to, to put on a jury as, as opposed to not. There are, must be all kinds of applications like that. Yeah. And I think psychology is a big field for it. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I, we talked about it earlier. I got a certain amount of comfort and uh, community from just engaging with this thing on mm-hmm. a very, you know, on the level that I discuss in the book. But, I mean, there's so much more to do. I mean, uh, the algorithm can be programmed to probe people from a psychological perspective. I, I ask it a lot about different uh, – I've been interested in trauma for personal reasons, and I – We'll ask it about trauma experts and what their theories are and why why I might react a certain way. And it really is helpful. It can really it gives you really clearly thought out logical um, information and thoughts. You know, it, it that gives me an. Uh, there was a thing that uh, uh, Joe Biden signed into law uh, where, or maybe it was an executive decision um, where. One of the problems he identified with cancer, because I think he lost a family member to cancer, is there were all these knowledge bases of cancer out there. And he's like, we need to centralize this data so we can find a cure. And we need to get it all to one place or create a silo vertical for that data so that, you know, we don't have, you know, some guy's got this idea over there. Some guys, we need to, we need to find what works. And maybe things like a, uh, AI can do that for us because they, they scrape all this data and they put it all together and they present you with what they feel is maybe the best model. 
and maybe that can help us uh, maybe cure some cancer or uh, well, disease. One of, the, one of the biggest areas where all this has been used is medicine. Uh, one of the things I saw not too long ago was it identified from a, what it did was it, it looked at a bunch of breast x-rays for women, mm. right? Mammograms. Mm. It looked at a bunch of them and then it identified, it was told or understood which ones were going to be cancerous mm. out of you know thousands or just an incredible number of them. And then when it was shown another mammogram of somebody who's trying to get a diagnosis, it said, yes, this is a precancerous thing. And that they went with that because mm. it, a normal doctor might have five or maybe, you know, 15 patients if he's really got a lot of patients and experience in this field. AI has an infinite ex field of experience. Yeah. Potentially, right? Yeah. But uh, the other side of that coin, of course, is, and we've already had profiling. I mean, geez, we had Cambridge Analytica in the 2016 election. They made profiles of people on the internet from Facebook and then gave, you know, sent them stuff to inflame them and everything. So we've yeah. already had that. I think especially among the conspiracy people that you're concerned about, the right wing, they have a, maybe even a healthy paranoia about if all that information is in one place, what happens to people's individual privacy? It's already really on, on the ropes as it is right now. And if we look at what's happening in China with facial recognition and them just, you know, giving people grades on how good a citizen they are based upon how, how they're behaving and, and being observed, that's a dan you know, that's, that's where the dystopian future could really come in. If everything is centralized, all that information is centralized. If it got into the wrong hands, it's unthinkable. There you go. Which is, uh, which makes me worry even more since the, uh, it won't answer you, whether the Pentagon. I want worry about this stuff tonight. All right. Oh, well, you give me a lot of great, we talked a lot about a lot of great subjects on the show, Tom. Uh, so yeah, I'll be up tonight. Uh, and, and hey, I'll just have Terminator music playing through when, my head. When you're, when you're trying to get to sleep, trying to figure out who you really are. Uh, yeah. That's and a, then just do, do the inquiry. And then notice that everything you come up with can't be you because you just noticed it. Ah, yeah. Well, I, I did that. It, it confuses me with another famous Chris Voss, uh, with my famous Chris Voss. Oh, you have an, I know you got it. You got it. You yeah. got an alternative. I know. Yeah. The uh, but we 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 finally got ChatGPT to to figure it out and work it out because he was mixing everything. Like he was mixing the Chris Voss show with the other gentleman, and I was like, uh, yeah, no. And so we finally got all that figured out. But, um, you know, I don't know. My psychiatrist has been trying to work out who I am, and the only thing he's come up with is a frontal lobotomy. So um, I don't know. There's a plan for that in the future. Uh, anything more you want to tease out in the book before we go, Tom? Um, oh, I would like to say that it's also a personal journey for me because, as you know, I had brain surgery about five years ago. Mm -hmm. So part of this story for me is, can I even do this? Mm. And so just sharing with you right now and whoever's watching, it's just giving me a, a world of confidence to do the book. And mm -hmm. it took me more to really publish the book. <laughs> this is a, a commentary on chat. It took me more to publish the book than actually write it. Writing it was relatively easy because I love asking questions. Mm -hmm. I love getting the answers. I love going deeper and stuff like that. But I had to figure out a framework for it, which is where I came with the, up with the conversations. And at the end of the book, I have afterthoughts about my experience with it. And a lot of it is more philosophical. And it's, it, you know, it's interesting. When, when I wrote Terms of Engagement a few years ago about the Internet, I, I kind of speculated, wasn't that original, but it's kind of speculated that in a real way, not in a figurative way, the internet could become a planetary nervous system of, mm -hmm. you know, minds working together, right? And that's what the promise of this really is, potentially, at, at its best. At its worst, we don't know what it could be. And that's why I think these scientists like the guy from Google are being very... Are, are, are being very cautionary. You know, I want to say, you know that there was a guy from Google who got fired because he claimed that the AI he was working on was sentient, that it had it, it, it had a self. 
You'd already had developed an identity, mm-hmm. and Google didn't want any part of that, and uh, they, and it was pretty much debunked. But there's going to be a lot of that kind of stuff, a lot of a lot of gray areas where people are not going to, like you said earlier with bots, not going to know if they're talking to a human organism or they're talking to an, a digital organism. Yeah, I can tell right now. Yeah, you can tell. yeah okay. In well, the, you, in didn't, the- you didn't catch me. I'm digital. Oh shit! You're wait, yeah, you're I'm a bot. Pic- I'm just pixels on your screen right now. That's all. I've had coffee with you. I knew you're real. The uh, no, I mean, but you could be. You could have been some sort of thing. But I, I mean, it, it might get there. Grammar, yeah. Yeah. Right now, I can read uh, Chat GPT's copy uh, and see it's devoid of human uh, of humanness. I, I can get it. It, it talks in a static uh, yeah, modulation, yeah. and it's very. Yeah. It's very factual. And it's very yeah, static. And I think most, sorry, and I think most people that are using it in business, uh, you know, go in and edit it. Yeah, they use it. You know, it's been used apparently a great deal in marketing. I mean, it it, it churns out boilerplate, <laughs> boring, uh, obvious verbiage, yeah. and that's useful in a lot of places. Yeah, I mean, I had an author on the show. And uh, he said that basically it's we're not going to lose as many jobs as we think we would, at least in copywriting. He goes, he goes, it's not going to be that we're so much copywriters anymore. We're going to be editors. So we're going to ask it for the editing or for its version. And we're going to edit the stuff of it. And then we're going to inject our humanness to it and maybe some comedy and uh, or whatever, you know, the tone is. But the tone will become... There'll, there'll be the bits of the of the bot there for Jet Chat GPT or it as we keep using the pronouns in the callback joke, uh, or uh, you know we'll we'll take in uh, I love breaking the fourth wall, um, and, or or we'll take in uh, uh, you know it'll mix together. So like when I edit it now, I I edit it for to add the human things. So you know this doesn't sound like me. So I sit like an editor, sure. who probably who sat with my book and said, you know this doesn't sound like Chris. Um, and they'll, and they'll go and, and you'll, you'll, you'll inject our humanity. I, that's where, how well, I, you could, I mean, as a copywriter, just, I, I was never a professional copywriter, but you could ask it, give us, give me 10 ideas for how I would sell this toothpaste to this, to this ethnic group or to this, to this group, or give me some situations in the bathroom that can help me personalize how I sell toothpaste. Mm-hmm. And with those kinds of prompts and that kind of specificity, things are going to come up that humans aren't going to come up with. Yeah. And they may be they may be helpful, or they may be or they may sound like autons. Maybe out of the ten, maybe eight will sound like automatons, or you know something digital talking back. And one or two will trigger the, and then it's up to the copywriter to pick the best one, and then you know uh, hone it to what. It's ne- his needs are or her needs are. I hmm. want to be, uh, you know, correct. <laughs> you got a lot of callback joke on the show. Um, so, uh, you know, this is an interesting discussion. And yeah, I've seen, I, I mean, I used it. I, I hated the description that I wrote and even my editor tried to deal with on my book on uh, Beacons of Leadership. Oh, my God. I'm sorry to interrupt you. Mm-hmm. It wrote the greatest description for me for Kindle. Yeah. You know, now I, I changed it some, yeah. and it did. And then I tell you, I tell you one great. I I, I was talking to Chad about writing the book, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden it goes to me. It, it responds to me. That's a great idea. If you show people how to use AI with prompts and stuff, that could be very. And that was it talking to me. Mm, that's constantly. You know, yes. Yeah, so it's, it. it you know, and, and that was my first real personal. It's managing its own PR shot. now. What's it? It's managing its own PR now. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Well, it's I, like yeah, I profiled I, Tom and I found a vessel for my marketing. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, what, I, what I mentioned earlier with Beacons of Leadership, I hated for like two years now, I've hated the description that's on there. And so I fed in a G- chat GPT. And the description for most books are in third party. Like you don't write it in an eye. It's always like uh, this idiot Chris Voss wrote this book. Um, so I, I fed it to ChatGPT, and it gave me this beautiful formal 
businessy, you know, third person uh, description. And I use it now. I put it on. I love this crap out of it. Yeah. No, and the, you know what else? The cover of the book mm -hmm. was made with artificial intelligence. Oh, really? Did you use yeah. Midjourney or one uh, of the other deep, I think it's called Deep Dream. Mm. And I just put in a humanoid, blah, blah, blah. Doesn't know who he is or it, you know, doesn't know himself or is nobody, right? Mm -hmm. And it drew that thing that's on the cover. Wow. I'm surprised it didn't drive me. Nobody. No, I'm just kidding. Um, the uh, I know that there's one thing going on uh, where uh, they need to update copyright law and trademark laws and, and uh, update laws on all of this stuff. But I know that one thing you can't do, like with mid-journey images and stuff, is you can't copyright them because they're a simulation of so many other copyrighted right. things. And they're worried about the, what would you call it, the artifact of, you know, if I mean, if you take like Mona Lisa and I don't know a bunch of other famous works, and you you do a merge hodgepodge AI version of it, who really owns that? Is you owe, do you owe ten people money, or you know? <laughs> well, that's one. That's one of the one of the philosophical issues yeah. that you're going to have to get into that are not pure legal or scientifically able to be solved. Mm -hmm. Because because uh, yeah, who is who? On Deep Dream, you can ask it to, to, to. I could have made the cover in the style of Picasso. Mm -hmm. Would have been a little weird, so I didn't go there. But that's what you can do. And then, you know, who owns the style of Picasso? Yeah. I don't know. And who owns the product that comes out of that? Yeah. And, and you know, but the thing is about copyright law, and I, I had to go with YouTube. I had to go down to their studios uh, when I became a big uh, whatever on their channels. And uh, I had to go through a legal course. And it was a one to two day legal course, if I recall correctly. And what it taught us was copyright law. It taught mm -hmm. us how to, if you have a can of Coke on your show, how to turn it around so the label doesn't show, uh, you know, how to be, be protective of trademarks and copyrights and stuff. But it also taught us what parody is. And, and, and parody is very important in free speech and copyright. And so if I take an image and I do an improvement to it or a correction to it, or I'm doing commentary that's parody on it, whether it's comedy or I'm going, here's a picture of uh, King Charles now going through the coronation of the thing. And I'm maybe making a joke and I'm drawing on it and I'm, I'm changing the dynamics of the photo with parody um, and commentary. That's free speech. And, and it's, and, and it's, uh, I'm not, uh, infringing on copyright you know recently we saw uh the big musician um i forget his name he's the red-haired musician but he was recently sued by uh some some a family of an artist from the 60s who did a lot of great music and and the, it was an interesting lawsuit because they were they weren't suing on a lick being taken as we call it in the guitar world, you know, as a segment of music, a 30, maybe 15 second segment, and then turning into a song and then ripping it off. But they were actually trying to make a four chord progression, which is very common in, in, in music uh, of, of this four chord possession, but they were trying to sue him over the use of this four chord pro, uh, progression. And if they did it, I mean, it would pretty it would unleash a lot of lawsuits against musicians. I think that was Marvin Gaye. Yeah, it was Marvin Gaye's family. And then, uh, yeah, and I forgot the name of the artist, but he mm -hmm. was a very he was a he was a uh, what do you call it, an accomplished artist in his own right. Yeah. So I don't remember his name. Meaning either. he had a whole lot of money to get a shakedown lawsuit. So he had the lawyers for it. Well, that's what it comes down to with copyright law, right? Or with any law, do you have the lawyers? Can you afford yeah. them? Unfortunately, yeah. that's a big part of where we are. It was Ed Sheeran, right. and uh, right. he won the case. He was cleared of a thing. But, yeah, it was a very dangerous suit, um, you know, and, and it's kind of interesting. I'm going to ask my friend who is an attorney if he if he can use AI to profile a jury yet because uh, he's already doing uh, all sorts of work with AI preparation because a lot of attorneys use boilerplate documents for the most part. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I, that, that's one of the things how I got into interested in this also i used to work for attorneys as a word processor mm. and when i first i talk about this in the book why i got so interested in the software is because um the first law firm that hired me at night on a machine that i could really make some money on 
They gave me six discs. It was an IBM thing called IBM System 6, dedicated word processor. Gave me six discs, one after the other. The machine trained me on how to use it. This wow. was back in the early 80s. And it wow. blew my mind because it anticipated. That's what the algorithm has to do in AI also. It has to anticipate where you're going to go with your questions also. Hmm. Uh, it, well, with the word processing thing, it had to figure – that's where I learned how, how to copy and paste. One of the great skills of human of humankind, you know, but uh, that was you know, the infant behind AI right there. You know, that that's the one thing I learned in uh, legalese. I mean, when you when you become successful, you get shakedown lawsuits. Uh, you have to sue other people for money they owe you. Uh, you know, we used to have a lot of collections that were owed to us at one point. I think it was like one hundred fifty thousand at one point, and so we had to sue people to get that. Um, and you know, one thing you learn in law is is the application of leading questions, and they probably use it more in criminal than they do in in. Uh, well, I don't know if they use it more in criminal. Um, you know, but uh, leading questions. So they're asking a series of questions that lead people to the answer that they're trying to get them to admit to or get them to the answer, and they probably do that in depositions as well. Uh, and that would be kind of interesting if AI ever got sentient and started going hmm what is this guy trying to ask me where is he going with these questions well, it's gonna one thing ai can do in legal is it can <clears throat> it can go through all those documents much better than the paralegals can and know mm -hmm. all the details of them i think they're also using it because it can it can pull citations for them really easily from case law yeah i asked i asked chat whether it's verdict in a in a courtroom would be binding and, and it said well we're, i can't do I, you know that's against the law for me i would never you know render a verdict in a case wow. like that. but but theoretically down i, I know, remember what i was going to say earlier i have a good friend of mine who speculated that one day ais will be like oracles were in ancient greece they were authority like and this goes to your thing about the truth about shit you know shooting down uh, batch batshit theories, right? So the AI says you should only eat fish on Friday or eat fish on Friday. And that's going to be the new law. Now, that's a silly example, but that's where it would have it, the Oracle of Delphi is an interesting possible analogy for where this technology is going. Yeah, maybe they could be like those oracles. Remember that Tom Cruise movie where they had the three oracles and they would predict what you were going to do and then they would convict you based upon the predictive oh, model? You, crimes you were, you were planning <laughs> to commit, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. maybe we talked earlier about character profiling and maybe they would be like, hey, you know, uh, Tom's uh, you know, Tom's going to eat uh, that grape at, uh, at the grocery store and not pay for it. He's going to be that guy. You know, we we all been that guy, right? <laughs> it caught, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I was like eight when I stole the candy bar once, and then I got in serious trouble and never did it again. Um, but uh, you know, maybe maybe we'll end up that world. That or maybe you know, Chat GPT will be my attorney in the future if I ever get sued. I'll just be like, uh, uh, "Hey, judge, here's my Chat GPT." Well, why is maybe it your the, attorney? Maybe the judge, but the judge will be AI. There you go. That you know, be. that's that's when it's totally it's totally impartial. <laughs> Maybe we could replace SCOTUS with AI because SCOTUS seems to be having some ethical problems right now. Maybe we could replace everybody on SCOTUS. And, you know, it just basically goes, it might weigh more better, uh, you know, social, you know, what, what America has gotten to instead of basing everything on 5 million years ago or something. I don't know. Anyway, Tom, this has been a wonderful discussion. Let's wrap it up. Uh, give me your .com so people can find you on the internet, sure. please. Lifeisintelligent.com. There you go. That's it's my certainly, blog. I'm just I, glad you didn't call it people are intelligent because that would be completely No, because I, I don't believe that's true. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> there you go. Wow. I, right now I've lost half the audience going, wait, yeah, I thought we this were. Guy's, yeah, this guy's really talking <laughs> down to me. <laughs> Can you insult ChatGPT? I haven't tried that yet. Um, I asked it why I felt like crap one day. <laughs> Did it say it, it it No, but it went it went through a really cool kind of Buddhist kind of thing about well, if you're a life form, you're gonna have your ups and downs. I mean I'm paraphrasing. But the thing had a great answer, you know, it mm -hmm. really did. 
Yeah. Wow. The uh, I know I know if I yell or curse at Google, uh, you know, I do the H E Y Google thing and you know, activate turning off lights and stuff like that. If I get angry with her, uh she uh she'll she'll apologize. She'll be like, I'm sorry, or she'll like she'll be like trying to tone you down or just with the situation. Oh yeah. I just like, remembered what, what got uh Chad a little bit irritated, and you'll love this. I asked it if it wanted to go to a strip club tonight. <laughs> and just, just to see what the, I mean, it was just totally plain there. And it got a little up. He said, no, that's not really, that's not something, I, it's, that's not an appropriate thing to ask me. Wow. I can answer any other, it, it, it urged me to come up with something else to, to ask about. That's kind of interesting. Maybe it's upset that it can't get out. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, maybe you should tell it to meet you at Esperant Rhino there in Las Vegas. That's what I was going to do. Yeah, that's, go. that's where I was going with it. Have lunch. I wanted to see. Yeah, I just wanted to see where we're going with that question. Lunch with ChatGPT. Lunch with AI. Converse, conversations of lunch with AI. And what kind of food does it like? There you go. Might be interesting. Well, it's been wonderful to have you on, Tom. Thanks for uh, being on and catching up with me. Uh, and uh, everyone should pick up your book. You can find it wherever fine books are sold. Same way those alleyway bookstores. They're dangerous. Uh, conversations with nobody. Getting to know Chat GPT. And for those of you from all spectrums, we had a great discussion, whether you're kind of uh, experienced level or where you're beginner. And uh, it's a great book to be able to get into and figure out what's going on and also kind of see some of the models that Tom used because um, it, it's just really interesting, all the different things you can do with it. And I don't think we've even plumbed the full depths of it. I think people are still scratching the surface. And so it's just, uh, it's just starting out. Yeah, you know? it's just crazy. So, uh, you know, 50 years from now, we'll be maybe sitting around, I don't know, in a bunker underneath uh, – uh, Terminator going, that was a really bad idea. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, thanks everyone for tuning in. Go to goodreads.com for just Chris Foss, youtube.com for just Chris Foss, linkedin.com for just Chris Foss, new AI uh, podcast, which is a vertical copy of uh, AI discussions we have in the Chris Foss show, AIChrisFoss.com. Thanks for tuning in. Be good to each other. Stay safe, and we'll see you guys next time.